Happy Here birthday. we are, back in the morning. Yeah, we're right. back on the podcast. Wow, Welcome to Three Dogs North, sponsored good by... Good to talk to you guys. Guadalupe uh, Roastery. Sponsored by Guadalupe <laughs> Orthodontics. <laughs> <laughs> Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. Can you really tell? No, I can't tell. Yeah, they're actually they're transparent, so they're actually kind of tough to see, but man, do I hate them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. It is difficult I, uh, to describe that. I was talking to a, a guy from this organization called Campus Outreach yesterday. We were tabling for for Newman and Focus and stuff out on the quad during freshman convocation. And this guy that leads uh, uh, Campus Outreach, which is like mostly to athletes, I think. It's kind of similar to Campus Crusade or Focus. And he had transparent braces, and he looked cool. He was like a legit dude. How old so, was he? Probably our age. That's encouraging. Mm-hmm. That's an uplifting story. Yeah, I thought I'd share. Mike is encouraged. <laughs> well, it's like, uh, dude, the Lord, he knows exactly what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, I hate it, but I, I, he knows exactly what he's doing. Like, hey, Mike, you love to sound great, and you love to look like you know what you're doing? Well, how about you be a priest and say everything in Spanish? And then, because you can't pronounce anything anyways, I'm going to give you braces. And now do all of that. And we're like, sure, yeah, sure. <laughs> oh, man. So Are it's you been in pain? How was it getting that, I mean, the first... <laughs> yeah, you just... You feel... I feel silly. Like, mm-hmm. this is all a joke or something. You know, like, I, I sit down in the chair, and I feel like Will Ferrell from Elf. My feet are hanging like ten feet or like two feet over the the dentist chair because they're made for for children, you know. And I look up and they're like putting, you know, doing work on my teeth. And the lights that they're using so that the doctor can see are um, it's a tiger's face painted on the ceiling, and his eyeballs are the light. I'm like. <laughs> That's clearly for a small child. <laughs> and yet, <laughs> the waiting room is in basically an arcade room because they're all like high schoolers that come to my orthodontist. <laughs> like, That was funny getting that picture. By the way, our gift game is on point. It is on point. Me and Robert talking about how we managed to do it. Only yeah. gifts. We did. Scheduling, yes. Yep. The, and here, and here we are. We all got the time right. The the gifts Didn't. that y'all found that have the exact time on it, sh- they made that really easy though. Yeah, yeah, it was almost yeah. too easy. The Monday one was pretty funny with the escalator. Oh yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> um, I, well, I want to know how, how's the start of the year going for you guys, especially. Well, obviously, Connor, you're at Newman there, but uh, Rob, you're doing something similar. Has it has it been a good start? Great start. Yesterday Wait, did was- we pray? Did we pray? I mean, no. I've, already, I've prayed some today. Oh, did you? We can pray again. I haven't prayed at all today. Oh, man. <laughs> Rob, why don't you pray? Again. Okay. <laughs> Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. 
Let's go to our blessed mother and ask us to wrap her, wrap us in her mantle, guide our conversation, um, help us, help give us grateful, grateful hearts today, and help give us faithful hearts to grow closer to Jesus. Hail Mary, full, full of, of grace, grace the, the Lord, Lord is with, with thee. Blessed, blessed are thou among women, among women. Blessed, blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother, Mother of God, God pray, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. John Paul the Great. Pray for, Pray for us. us. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hmm. Yeah, yesterday was our first Sunday Masses of the school year. Hmm. And last year, I just kind of went off the schedule uh, that we had, and there wasn't any Sunday Mass over the summer, and the first Sunday Mass back to school was the 7 p.m. And we normally have an 11 and a 7, so... Um, <laughs> I instituted a summer mass this year, just doing the 11 and mm-hmm. this past and yesterday I did the 11 and the seven. So that 11 o'clock, which didn't exist last year, um, the first day of school had 97 people at it. Dude. Now to give you some perspective, we, uh, we averaged like 65 total between the two masses on a Sunday. So wow. I was like blown away we had to bring in chairs and it was a lot of i I suspect parents sure bringing their kids uh but not that many it was mostly students and a lot of new ones so we sent out letters um becca gets all these uh names over the summer during freshman orientation the freshmen come in like groups you know and junior transfers and stuff and we get addresses and people that are Catholic that want information. We sent out a letter with all the opening week stuff. And I suspect that had some effect. And uh, I don't know what else. Have you all done that the before? Holy Spirit. We did it last year, yeah. Okay. Um, and then the Very cool, dude. evening mass had about 50, which was high too. But um, it was great, dude. I was I felt awesome during that mass. It was like... It's kind of funny, you know, you have small, the Newman community is small, especially on Sunday. And, uh, there was one, I think assumption was the Holy day and we were full on assumption and it was just like a palpable, palpably different experience as a priest walking in to church where it's full and there's people you don't know. And, um, it kind of feels like walking into the football stadium or something and breaking through the <laughs> breaking through the banner <laughs> the marching band's going hey, just like, it's like let's do this yeah <laughs> let's no, get it true. on that's awesome man. y'all have awesome. banners at your parish are you, are you breaking through banners <laughs> yeah so it was great uh, yeah, first week of school this week that's exciting mm-hmm. man mm-hmm. nice nice got you the had momentum a pretty good, going uh, like outreach plan lined up and everything or mm-hmm. yeah cool very cool Cool. A lot of stuff this week, evening stuff, free food. Yeah. Got a new student retreat next weekend. Very cool. It's good. Very cool. How are yeah. things for you, SIUE dad? SIUE dad. Mm, it's good stuff. Yeah, it's it's been good. Um, let's see. They've been, they had classes this week. So freshmen moved in like a week and a half ago on campus. It's gone well. Our numbers have been like pretty similar to last year. Like last night at the 8 p.m., I think we probably had, it was probably like 50 or 60 
or so, um, and pretty much all students. There's a couple couple families there, um, but no, like definitely a few a few freshmen um, around already, which is good. And then, yeah, we had the big thing this weekend was we had confirmation here at St. Boniface, and then they uh, were going to the restored order um, in the diocese. Mm. So we, in a sense, confirmed like like third through eighth grade um, into we had a Saturday night and then a Sunday morning confirmation with Bishop. For those listening at home, what's the restored order? Uh, restored order would be the restored order of the sacraments of initiation. So typically, um, for, for the listener, you probably grew up, um, unless you were in a f- one of a few dioceses, you probably grew up with... Um, Obviously, baptism is the normal, like, as an infant. And then um, First Communion around second grade. And then Confirmation around, like, freshman year of high school-ish. But the actual order of the Sacraments of Initiation um, from, like, the early church period is uh, baptism, Confirmation, and, and then the Eucharist. So, like, the East will actually like baptize confirm and then they receive their first eucharist at i think like when they're an infant if i think at their baptism yeah it's all at the baptism yep um and so the idea i mean really the driving point is just like trying to get the kids that grace earlier from confirmation um which it was it was honestly it was super it was a super beautiful weekend so there was like I think we confirmed like 240 kids or Bishop confirmed wow. 240 kids and it was really, really cool. So, I mean, the church was packed and like the vast majority of the kids were excited to be there, um, which was really cool. And like the families were excited and stuff like that. So I was like, man, this is just a cool thing. And, um, we did a synod in the diocese a couple of years ago that like it was decided to go back to the restored order of the sacraments. And it was just interesting hearing about all the discussion they had. And I mean, they had all kinds of people involved throughout the diocese. And it was actually, I mean, the priests were like for it, certainly, but they said that overwhelmingly like the big push, and there were some people with different opinions, but the overwhelming big push to go to the restored order was actually from families. Um, from parents and they just like got that language of of grace and like wanting their kids to have it um which i thought was pretty cool it kind of made me think of like i don't know just very very rarely like do you offer to like pray for someone and they say no you know or anything Mm. like that so just in today's world that language of like just needing help and needing grace like people get that but i will say i will attest to it was very cool watching like third and fourth graders get confirmed and like be excited about it and like asking mm-hmm. them about their confirmation saints and like what confirmation means. And it's not just like, it's not just this choice of me like yeah. to become an adult in my faith, which is, I know that's what a lot of people grew up with. That's what I grew up with, but that's not what confirmation is. Right. Um, and so it was a very cool weekend. Anyway, it was exhausting. It was go, go, go for sure. Oh, We've got all kinds of stuff on campus as as well. And uh, a few more things planned this week. We're going to go hiking with some college students on Saturday. Uh, which Where do you go hiking? Really fun. 
Uh, Pier Marquette State Park is about 45 minutes from Edwardsville, and it's super beautiful. It's right on the river and cool bluffs and everything like that. So um, Get some of that good Illinois scenery. Yeah. No, it's it's very, very beautiful over there. kind of reminds you of being in a Mark Twain novel, honestly. Yeah. Um, and so we're going to go over there, and, uh, yeah, Sister Carolyn, who's like the coolest nun ever, is going to come and hike with us <laughs> and give a little talk to the students. Oh, Sister Carolyn. Yeah, yeah. So Pier Marquette is right ever. by Alton, where those sisters are, are from. So She's a listener, if I'm not mistaken. Big listener, big fan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're big fans of her, though. Let's be real. Yeah, so that is real. a fact. Yeah, yeah. But life is good. So it was, uh, I mean, it was, it was kind of a fever pitch, the getting ready for confirmations. And I mean, I didn't, not for me necessarily, but like for the office, they had to, it was just kind of crazy getting everything, everything, um, ready but it was really really cool to see. i like that restored order thing man man oh man dude, dude, i am that just feels right that's the best way to say it is and then you like even the experience of it um and it's pretty crazy i mean like i mean we're openly kind of wondering now like what does that mean for our fourth and fifth graders that are confirmed like are they going to stay involved and you know and everything like that and it's like we don't have kind of firm answers to that yet we're hoping that they and what about first do. communion are you you're gonna you do confirmation in third grade and then communion in fourth or what no they'll be together eventually yeah oh, they'll I be see. together yep so confirmation yeah. and first communion i think is the plan to be to be together same year or yeah. same mass same mass i believe oh, i think cool. i'm saying that right but yep so first reconciliation in second grade and then uh first communion and first or in uh only confirmation in uh in third grade but that's a good way to say it and that's honestly how the experience of seeing it was was like this is just right and it does like it's not how most of the places in the u.s church are structured so it i think it kind of seems strange to to some people and it leaves some like pastoral questions open just because people are used to things going a certain way um yeah but but the questions that have been open for years since we've been doing this never have gotten resolved i feel like and i think i know what you mean well i mean that like you said that what ends up happening by delaying confirmation which to me it has always felt like one of the reasons we do it is precisely to resolve that question of how do you keep kids in ccd basically right 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 it's like so a, it's, it's a little, little bit cart before the horse like mm-hmm. we know ccd to be a good so let's withhold the good of confirmation until they're basically like the most angsty uh disengaged age possible sure. um sure so just from like a human perspective it hasn't worked plus it's this carrot on a stick thing that you end up with a sort of pelagian mm-hmm. theology about that like you are electing god and that's sure. that's really your maturity in the faith is when you decide to be Catholic instead of um, yeah it's like, like a third the, grader third grader doesn't you know they're not like I'm an adult and I'm deciding to be Catholic they're just in awe of the grace and wow the bishop is here and I'm the center of attention and getting this awesome sacrament yeah. and and even like a new name the, the catechists and the teachers did a cool job a really good job and. It was cool. Like, I mean, all of, like, the prep for the kids was, like, just about confirmation and receiving the gifts of the Holy Spirit and, like, trying to be open to those in in your life and, like, what that can mean in your life. And 
so it was it was just like cool to talk to a few of the kids of like that language really wasn't present of like this is me choosing god you know but no this is actually god choosing me and i mean confirmation is it's kind of a hard one to like really nail down concisely and explain to someone of like well it strengthens the gift of the holy spirit from your baptism it's kind of like being able to open this great gift that you got at baptism etc so i'm actually i'm trying to find some stuff to to be able to like explain it to a kid better um besides like hopefully you'll see the fruits of it in in your life of being like very much in touch with the gifts of the holy spirit um but yeah it was it was very cool it was very cool Mike, were you saying something? Sorry. Uh, well, I, I know that you mentioned um, that you're working with the religious ed at the parish as well. I think helping with PSR, if not, yeah, yeah. maybe El Presidente, El Jefe of the whole program. And like you were saying, Connor, I, I, I'll be very curious to see how that influences not just attendance, but the whole scope of the program. Because in a lot of the parishes that I've helped at, we've actually had a huge... Um, like dropping off of attendance. People just don't essentially don't come to any of our religious ed stuff from like fourth grade until seventh grade. There's nothing or maybe even third grade to eighth grade. So they, they come and prep for first communion and then they'll come back in like eighth grade to start confirmation programs. And, and so it really is the epitome of the carrot on the stick deal. And so they're just, they're just essentially doing it so that they can receive the sacrament. Um, but what happens if they've already been given the sacraments freely? And then there's like, I think what I would describe as an appropriate freedom around the actual catechesis and education that's necessary for like a, a really healthy PSR program and a really healthy parish life instead of saying, Hey, you have to come back to this or else you're not going to receive confirmation or something like that. Yeah. And it's just a least yeah, thing in the parish was telling people, no, these are, I mean, you have to have boundaries and expectations because people do treat the parish a little bit like a vending machine. Um, sometimes then they'll shop around for the one that's got the one year program instead oh, yeah. of the two. And, oh yeah. And you want like everything in you says, I, I want to do everything I can to let, keep this person in. But at the same time, you you know, you don't feel like you're treating anybody like they're free agents. You're, you're sort of yeah, the keeper and maybe, of the keys of this thing that they happen to still want, even though most of the, the life of grace is not that interesting to them. Like this thing yeah. is, you know. Yeah, and and maybe like it's a, that's where the, the sacraments of initiation are. They're the same in that they're sacraments and they're vehicles of grace instituted by Christ. But the sacraments of like vocation, the sacraments of of giving, so like holy orders or matrimony, um, those things they're of course the action of God, um, but there also has to be like some. There legitimately has to be an understanding in order to receive them. There has to be a type of freedom. There has to be a decision to engage the sacrament. And if if that's not happening, then you're actually not free to enter into the sacrament appropriately the grace isn't isn't actually going to take root or be effective or the sacrament may not happen at all you know that's what we say the annulment cases are was oh you actually were not free 
or didn't understand the sacrament and it never actually happened. But sacraments of initiation, like that's a huge shift from, it's kind of like a quasi, you know, the way that we do it at high school, it's like a quasi Protestant version of like the, the profession of faith when you get older um, to declare that like, yeah, I believe in Jesus Christ and I want to follow him. It's like, that's not actually what confirmation is. Right. That's, that's never, and that's never how it's been. And I, historically it just kind of unfolded that way. But, but that's the big difference. Sacraments of initiation, all the sacraments is God working, but specifically sacraments of initiation, it's all God's action upon us. And so what you're receiving at confirmation is like, the hot fire of the Holy Spirit that melts your heart and seals his love into you, which makes you an apostle. It makes you a disciple. That's why you're sent out, which is like what you're saying. It's this deepening of the baptismal graces so that as God goes into you, then you can go out into the world. That's Pentecost and the apostles are sent forward and, you know, as the body of Christ, that's a totally, that's a totally different thing than what I, you know, what we were taught and, uh, and I did find that, I mean, it's, it's been cool here because people have a lot of questions on it because it's not what they're used to. And, and I mean, not a ton, you know, like I said, I mean, people have been great, um, throughout the, the process, but I've been able to talk to several people about it. And it is, it's like, once you kind of say, like, explain like, Hey, that, that thing that you're describing, like that choice, like when you are mature and you can say like, no, I am going to in my freedom like freely choose to live like for jesus and try to be a disciple which hopefully that like comes in high school for a lot of a lot of people like that's a really good thing Mm -hmm. but it's just not confirmation Mm -hmm. and it's like so we're not trying to say that's a bad thing by saying that's not confirmation Mm -hmm. and like once you told people that they were like okay like i don't know why we've always been taught that confirmation is something different if it's not, but (laughs) then it's like, it kind of makes sense how you describe it. And I was like, yeah, no, like like I said, that is how, as what I grew up very much hearing was confirmation is you choosing to become an adult in your faith. Um, But it's pretty, I mean, that's a pretty interesting reality though. I think of, like I said, I mean, I was in on some of the discussions, not all of them with the Synod because I was still in seminary. And from what I could tell, like, I mean, pretty much all the priests were on board, and I mean, I think overwhelming consensus was that like this is the cor- this is the correct order, like in terms of the, the theology of it. And then the question was really like pastoral, like what will this mean, <laughs> et cetera. You know, good discussion. But well, I think they, all the- they framed it nicely with the phrase "restored order" instead sure. of like changing the order. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're like, we're just going back to how like it's really kind of meant to be. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just found it fascinating that reality that, and I've heard that from multiple people that were there. um, And it was just the, it was actually like the families that really, really were in favor of it. Like it made sense to them and they wanted to get their kids the grace like as early as possible. Like, wow, that's really cool. I think. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, and kind of like what we were talking about last week was your imagination is still open at that age, you know. Sure. Uh, talking to Sister Alicia, who's teaching religion in a school uh, for the second year, and just some of the stories she has of kids and their epiphanies, you know, it's it's very childlike, 
you know, it's not super mature, but um, some of the stuff, I wish I had one on, on hand that I could think of, but uh, kids just kind of getting it. And there's something really beautiful about like a second or third grader getting some deep truth about the faith yeah, and stating it in just kid language. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they're hard to wrangle their attention and stuff and they would rather be coloring or whatever. But, um, you know, she's designed her room to be just this really prayerful contemplative space with a lot of saints and beauty and stuff like that. And to inspire the kids, <laughs> she had one kid visiting the school was like a cousin of a student of hers and the student wanted to show it was still summer i think and sister was setting up her classroom and the kid walked in and wanted to show her cousin the religion room and uh it was just cool how how excited she was to show her the room and then her cousin goes what do you do in here <laughs> like she was so in awe of how she'd set it up to to be a place not just of like you know hair doctor up there lecturing about religious stuff but a place to encounter christ and of course the way she's talking and teaching is full on from a place of jesus is real and he so really sad. is here yeah she's <laughs> yeah. sending it hard <laughs> all the time <laughs> yeah and you know from our perspective it's you know it's a little bit of an act of trust in god that uh you know here here's the sacrament god gives it freely whatever we've received freely we have to give away freely and if that means that you never come back we'll we'll miss you you know but yeah we're not gonna hold you here prisoner like children you know with like Mm -hmm. you can't have your ice cream until you finish your brussels sprouts like that's just uh you have to trust in god and in people some that the truth itself is um can speak for itself or can be alluring on its own terms we don't have to make it more attractive by hiding it or something you know well and the risk of it it's like it is godlike i think you know he a lot of the things that he does with us are are quite risky as well and so even that i has an attractive quality to me right you know yeah like yeah like you said you have the freedom to come and go and if you don't come you'll be missed because we're a body and you would be fully initiated into the body and wouldn't be here and i like all of my toes i like them yeah actually that's not true my second toe is (laughs) wow it's super ugly but you ever seen those things on the internet that clickbait that like you can tell your personality from your toes or your fingers or something Really? And how long they are? No, I've never seen that. Yeah. <laughs> You've seen yeah, it, though. Yeah. Yeah. No, I never, I never clicked on it. It looked really dumb. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll be, I'll be curious to see. Has that, um, has that influenced how you prepared the year for your religious ed stuff? Yeah. Oh, gosh, definitely. I mean, because... We they kind of restructured, and this was in discussions before I was even here at the at the parish. You know, because they it, it's a big place and there's a lot going on. They didn't wait to, for you to, to make a big decision, right, man? Isn't that kind of weak? Um, but no, they have these uh, programs uh, like Fraternus and Fidelis, and that that's kind of um, 
yeah, it would be more structured for like junior high, maybe eventually high school as well. We're going to try to do like, in a sense, some high school, like youth group, uh, almost like more like maybe three or four big events throughout the year. Um, just to try to keep kind of kids in involved in some way. And they have some fun ideas for, for those. Um, but as far as the PSR program, which used to, in a sense, just go through confirmation, it went through eighth grade, like that's only through fifth grade now. And so it's just been, I mean, it's, it's going to look very similar besides just the sacramental prep and the ages will change this year. Um, but the structure will look pretty similar, but then like sixth, seventh and eighth will have kind of these new opportunities that, that are there. And anyway, I don't want to ramble on it too much cause I don't actually like know that much what I'm talking about with it. It's because it's such a new year mm-hmm. for us. It's like, this is, this is new, new territory. So it's not like we have kind of all of this experience with it of like what's going to happen, you know, to the average yeah fourth grader coming back to PSR after confirmation, et cetera, you know, on, on that. So it's very interesting. Anyway, I think it's very good. Dude, I'm feeling um, that not knowing what's going to happen. A lot of new stuff. Our, <laughs> our lounge that's to be the coffee shop looks like a construction zone. Still things are mm. behind schedule, but, um, I'm excited. You know, it's kind of like Pope Francis said at the beginning, make a mess. Yeah. You say that in South America. It's like, this is the right thing to do and uh we're just gonna do it and yeah we're gonna be intentional about it and make good decisions but you know there's a lot of people that would say don't change it you know Mm -hmm. um we're not just changing things to change them yeah that's a i like that hopefully being led Mm -hmm. um yeah i just uh as i was saying the mass and afterwards praying about it thanking god for all these people that came out of the woodwork to come to sunday mass and feeling encouraged is we sow the seeds and God gives the growth. Isn't that St. Paul? Hmm. Like all you can do is do that act of faith, like sow seeds liberally the way that he does, like the yeah. parable of the sower and let the chips fall where they may. Yeah. Yeah. What you said about the body, Mike, and missing people. I'm listening to, I haven't, been super faithful about this but this was a clickbait thing on youtube that i did click on this guy i want to say his name's charles eisenstein i think he's like a philosopher or something have you ever heard that name it looks like einstein no but it's not it's something like eisenstein uh it was this ad to a youtube video uh where this young lady is saying like you know this question of why i'm here has always haunted me and she's kind of getting choked up and it was it was one of those like okay this is a good ad because i now i want to watch the whole two minute have you seen those youtube ads where it's like you can skip it in five seconds but it's also could be like a two and a half minute ad if you want to watch the whole thing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well it was an ad for this online course about metaphysics and meaning and um so i signed up for it kind of out of curiosity since i uh i'm into that topic but also and you know, with this age group, people asking similar questions or hopefully awakening those questions in people, um, hungry for meaning and metaphysical meaning. And, uh, I watched the first one a few nights ago and he, 
is not a Christian, not really even religious, I, I don't want to say, but he's uh, his whole thing is like the disillusionment with the scientific worldview or the scientific story of the universe and that um, we're at a historical age where it's become, it was once helpful to imagine, he calls it the story of separation, that the universe is basically a void with atoms in it that tend toward greater entropy. Um, he says with the story of the world that it's just atoms in a void grinding towards heat, grinding mechanically towards heat death hmm. and that life is this biochemical accident that we're not really sure how it happened, but you know, we have this paradigm, this lattice work of, of, uh, truth that that's must be the case. And that's a, that's a metaphysical assumption. Of course, it's not science hasn't proven that the only thing that exists is physical atoms and even science itself with quantum mechanics. And, um, he mentioned one other thing, which I can't remember is sort of like casting doubt on that whole way of seeing how the universe interacts with itself and entropy and thermodynamics says that, uh, you should be, the, the universe is expanding, getting colder. Things should be getting more chaotic, more disordered. And yet life is this thing that resists that, um, by becoming more ordered and we have organic structures and evolution going from yeah. simpler structures to more complex and more organized. Sounds but very, that's, uh, Father Robert Spitzer. Do you ever listen to yeah, him at all? Yeah. Yeah. He's good. I should listen more to his stuff. He is good. He is very good. Um, but he was saying that, um, like he's just trying to open up people to a different story, like a, a metaphysical story that the universe, um, is like alive you know that life is the is the story it's it's not death um that the universe is becoming more alive actually and that being alive is this great gift and the purpose of life is to create life is to make more life to be more alive yourself and to create life around you um and this one thought was kind of interesting to me it's a little bit like whoa dude that's deep but he was talking about um, this complexity in the structures of life and how like the cells in your body are not selfish. No part of your body is selfish in the sense that, um, you know, your hand is trying to hoard all the glucose or something for energy at the expense of your brain or your heart. Everything works in concert or should when the body is healthy. Um, and he's saying, this was interesting because he's not Christian, but this is very much Pauline theology that we are a body, um, the whole the whole body of Christ, the church, but the church is supposed to be the whole human race. And that he's like, we're not yet at the stage where we, we treat each other that way, where there's no sense that um, you getting something is at my expense or that if I have extra, then that that I'm just going to hoard that for myself in case I don't have enough. The, um, the whole body just has enough glucose for like the next 30 seconds, you know, and it's always relying on the other parts of the body to provide it with what it needs. Um, I just thought that was a really interesting way of looking at it. Um, that the, the human race is a, is like a body is tending towards more organization, more life, um, because I do think that sometimes without thinking about it, we borrow or, or see through the lens of that scientific 
like atoms in a void grinding towards heat death, that it's very tempting um, on a small scale to see the church sort of doing that. Church is closing and people ignoring us or, you know, coming for sacraments and never coming back. Um, but the futility of what we're doing sometimes can uh, oppress us. But um, his whole thing was like, you it's a choice when you wake up in the morning um what am i going to do today why am i here it's to it's to beget more life you know on a biological level but uh you know in my own body like eating healthy and exercising and becoming more alive in my mind and my heart but also around me just doing that and uh i will say that that is some of the most life-giving stuff when you feel like you're, you're being led by the Holy Spirit and you're like, okay, I'm going to restore the order of the sacraments or I'm going to build a coffee shop or do whatever. Uh, I feel like, you know, on a small scale, you could say, what difference is this going to really make, you know? But, um, but I do think it doesn't make a difference, you know? It's hard to say how, but that's why I said it just feels right, that restored order thing. Like, that feels like an authentic move. That's something God would do. You know? Go make a difference. Go make a difference in the world. Just make it different. You don't have to think about, like, <laughs> no, why I, or or if that difference is even helpful. Just when you get out that, there and make differences. That song just exploded in my head. <laughs> that, yeah. and it did its job. That's what that song was made for. Mm-hmm explode no. on the scene and that's another one of my initiatives this year is to have that song is not just every opening hymn but every hymn like the communion hymn and communion meditation <laughs> just so people get get the vision you know i'm casting a vision here making a difference sending forth <laughs> yeah. go in peace and make a difference <laughs> yeah no it's in well it's true and and what you said just about the because the reality is that we are a body and we don't always see the world as it actually is and we don't always see each other as we actually are and and the the family metaphor as well for the church i think is is similar because you you freely naturally give to your family in like an unfair way where you don't count cost and the body it's cool to hear about the biology of the body as well i remember one time here and it was in peru i think it was uh there was like a medical mission that was down there while me and a couple other jabronis were down there working with orphans. And one of the nurses told me that the way that the heart pumps, so when, when the heart pumps it, it uh, it's obviously moving blood throughout the body, but that you never write, really think of how the heart receives its own like oxygen for itself. And apparently as it pumps, like one of the ventricles, whatever opens, and it's like just enough of, of, blood to oxygenate itself falls into the heart that's like the i'm sure the worst description ever of what's actually <laughs> happening but <laughs> but good. that in pumping it it like opens itself up and and like gets the leftovers for itself hmm. which i thought was a like a really beautiful image as well but that the body provides for itself as an integrated whole even though it's all these different members um yeah it's the one in the many question like alive in action and man i'll tell you this it's like i so it's super easy to not see the world that way 
and to act like that's not true because sometimes we don't get what we think we need. And so like, I think you have to square that theory, that reality that can be spoken of theoretically. And that's where it's difficult to believe because our everyday experience is like, I'm asking for all these things. There's all these things that clearly I think I need, or at least I want, and I'm never provided for them, you know? And so then the temptation is I need to provide for myself instead of to give freely as a member of the body of Christ. And, uh, <laughs> the, the parish, <laughs> the image for being here, uh, yeah, you go through seminary for a long time and you hear all these things, people say words and they try <laughs> they to describe words. <laughs> there are so people, many words. People do say words, man. Whoa. <laughs> then, so that's one thing about words. people that I've <laughs> noticed is that they say words. <laughs> Words are being spoken here, okay? And sometimes That's pretty much heard. what we're... This is all we do. This is, <laughs> we say words. <laughs> we, yeah, we be speaking, okay? We be speaking. Um, and you sometimes you hear the words. You can hear them in different ways. And I heard, you know, about like, hey, it's it's going to be a certain way when you come to the parish and it's not going to be the way that you expect. And in some way that's been true. In some ways it hasn't been true. It's been great being here. But that temptation of like, is God going to provide for me? Um, so should I just take care of myself or should I continue to, to give? Obviously with healthy boundaries and in a healthy way. Um, man, because there really is infinite need at the parish. And uh, it would be very easy to kind of close off and be like, I, I just can't, like, I need to not do that because what if, what if I'm, what if I give too much and nobody provides for me? Hmm. Um, and so th- there's already, there's already like this temptation, man, to step into the parish. Like I, I, it's been so good being here, but the reality of being a parish priest has just been, yeah, again, people told me a lot about it, but then it's like, whoa, this is what they actually meant, or this is actually happening. And it's been, in some ways, like stepping into a boxing ring, and in other ways, like I think stepping into a marriage, you're like, oh, this is what it's actually like. Um, and that temptation to live as if we weren't a family or live as if we weren't a body is, uh, it's it's enticing. Um, hmm. but so then, so then the, the question for me has been like, well then how, how do you live in the reality of the Christian meta narrative and not the, the story that, you know, whatever quote unquote the world wants to tell or science wants to tell, or maybe your own selfishness wants to tell, you know? And, and of course that's been like a lot of, yeah. So I'm just rambling, but no, that's, uh, I guess I, it just kind of spurred this in what I've been thinking about a little bit of, I think an understanding of this, or even that guy, like it's interesting that that guy from YouTube, Bisque, is not Christian, but yet talks in that language and everything like that. If like somehow he's plugging into like uh, human experience, whatever you want to call it. But I don't know. I, I really feel like that if you live there and if you really understand that, like it gives you, 
it just an opportunity to like tell people the truth and speak with what I would call like a proper and healthy authority then and not not in like a you have like I don't I don't know how else to say it like besides that anything over people or anything like that but I just always think of like a couple years ago I was having this knee pain uh, when I was running and my brother's a physical therapist and and so I went to to him and he was like, you know, he pretty much knew it within like five minutes of checking out my knee of what it was. And he gave me some exercises to do. And then he tried to, he like started explaining to me all this stuff about like what ligament it was and like tendons. And I have no idea. And I was like, dude, stop talking. Just tell me how my knee isn't going to hurt. That's all I wanted to know. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't do the exercises and so my knee still hurt and I blamed him <laughs> and he was like, well, did you do the exercises? And I was like, no. And he's, and he was like, listen, this isn't magic. This is just how your knee works. So like you can do these or you cannot, but if you don't, your knee's not going to hurt. And, or if you don't do them, your knee's going to keep hurting. And he was right. All that. Um, but I thought about that in a sense of like, it's really important that he knew all of that stuff about, about the knee and, everything like it's really important as much school as he went to for for that but i just wanted him to tell me like how to make my knee not hurt and i i just see that like so often um i don't know in the different people that you get to interact with and everything like that is that that's oftentimes um what you get to do and i think like an understanding of that body image and how dependent we are on each other and even like sanctity man like sanctity about like being the part that you're supposed to be and not like this trying to be like a superhuman being um which i guess some some saints do do that in some some ways but it's i don't think it's that common if you actually read their lives but rather like they just became who they were supposed to um to be anyway all of that that was rambling um yeah, no, but I, I, just, I like that, uh, the proper authority. But it gives you, but, like, if you can speak with that, like, based off of an actual understanding of the human person and how the person of Jesus like, is the fulfillment of that and is the fulfillment of, of each person, then it gives you the opportunity to speak with an authority to people that I I think they get. I don't know how else to say it. Um, and I was reading that that book I was telling you guys about last week on the the Jean Bishop book, Change of Heart, about her sister that was killed and everything. Her like big moment that she like really kind of set her down the firm road of like forgiveness, this long road. Is she called this guy? She had read his book. I don't think she had ever talked to him. But she was talking to, like, a mutual friend that gave her his number to call. And she was like, well, I'm kind of nervous to call him, whatever. And he was like, so he's telling him, no, call him. He'll, he'll be happy to talk to you. And she was like, well, what would he say when I tell him? And it was three things, and I can't remember the the exact order. But pretty much, like, he will, like, he'll compliment you for calling. He will, like, build you up in, like, how courageous you're being in your faith. And then he will tell you the truth. He'll do those three things in that order. And like he will tell you the truth is the one that really stuck out to me. And then she walked through how that's exactly what he did. He was like super gracious 
that she called and had the courage to reach out to him. Like he complimented her and tried to build her up that like he didn't know if the circumstances were reversed, if he would be able um, to even like talk about forgiveness like she is and how courageous she was being. And then she kind of like kept pushing it. And she was like, well, what does this even look like? Like, how do you know, how do I do this? Your book is all about forgiveness or whatever it's about, et cetera. And he just told her the truth. And he was like, well, it looks like Jesus dying on the cross. And she said it just totally changed. Um, it just totally changed her whole like way of thinking about this whole reality. Um, so anyway, I, I kind of butchered it, but I just like that of whatever that authority is to be able then to just tell people the truth and um, hopefully have them be able to receive it if it's coming from a, like an authentic place. Does that make any sense? I talked too long. No, it's good. Uh, it made me think of something from Why Preach by Peter Cameron that I read uh, while I was on vacation about authority because it's, you know, I think some people do come to the priest as like the spiritual authority and they want you to be like the OTPT, tell them what I need to do to make my knee stop hurting. Like, what's my vocation or what do I need to do? Or am I praying enough? And uh, part of the authority as a spiritual authority is that um, the spiritual life doesn't really work like that person. Your your life doesn't work like that. Um, growing into who you're meant to be as part of the body you you have to be free you know the, god could tell you what your vocation is but he draws it out of you through your desire and your own experiences and even your sins and coming to grips with who you are and your dependence on god and his mercy and everything like that um you know we're not just doctors that uh all right tell me what's hurting and then here sometimes you know if it's basic stuff and confession but um I think a lot of our authority is um, that people, I I just realized this thinking about when I was reading that book, the authorities in my life who um, spoke the truth in a way that was convincing, because a lot of times it's not the truth that communicates or moves you. It's the person, it's the source of the truth. And you're like the way this person lives their life and the confidence with which they talk and everything I thought about Baron, you know, from when I was, a kid going to mass and here's this brilliant preacher up there um speaking the truth and it was like it was him he was he was the message just as much as what he was saying like this kind of priest exists you know um and then throughout my life just people um with that kind of authority who i could who could i could hang on to guys like nick blaha when i was in college or the priest there and other friends and my own parents um you know, that were authorities in my life, but that helped me to mature, you know, to go back to the restored order thing. Like, yeah, it's, it's not confirmation, but it is important to, to choose to, uh, to believe, um, God insists on our freedom there, but it has to be spoken to us somehow. And the John Vanier quote that's in that book is basically like, never tell a man his sin because no one can bear their sin. What you have to do is uh, communicate, you know, that they're, you know, if, you, if you're going to bring someone's brokenness to them, um, you have to at the same time uh, speak hope and belief in this person. That's, that's how repentance happens is that uh, this isn't me and I can be someone else. You know, you believe in me 
and that there is there is a source of grace that can change me. Otherwise, I'm broken. You either fall into despair or crust your heart over with pride and say, there's nothing wrong with me. Like, I, I can't do what you're saying, so it must not be true. You know, I can't live like Christ. So I'm just going to live my life like a, quote, good person and not do anything really bad. And that's that's all I can really muster in this life. But that's good enough. You know, what Christ is calling you to and what a spiritual authority calls you to is like, no, you can do more. You know, yes, you're weak. Yes, you're broken. You can't do anything on your own. But um, I myself am evidence of this. And I'm speaking to you, looking at you, knowing you and your particular um, self. And I know you enough to tell you there's something more there. Like if you tap into it, you can be something else. Um, And that takes time. That's not in one appointment where you're just like, what you need to do is this exercise and then you'll feel better. And even that, I mean, it is a good analogy in the sense that your knee is, it is going to keep hurting and you're going to have to keep doing the exercises and stuff. But um, that's how I feel our authority works. It's not like we know everything. We're just awakening people to something. And then you, that's cool too, because you just, you're a witness to it. It's kind of like your analogy of the marriage counselor from months and months ago, Mike, that you're, when I feel good as a spiritual director is when I am getting out of the way and I'm just like pointing this person to God who's in the room with them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which is, yeah. I, I just think of like that, that famous line from scripture where it talks about Christ and they're, they're in awe with how he, how he is speaking with authority, which is, is because he's speaking from his person who is the source of all authority, who is the source of the law and the prophets, who is the source of everything. And, and I think so far as we do that same thing, like we speak from the person of Christ in us, then like that same authority, the same reality of the body of Christ, the image of Christ, his life dwelling within us, like, that's where I want to live from. That's where I want to preach and teach from. And that's a different type of authority that, you know, like it says in the scriptures, like we've never seen anybody speak like this before. Mm. You're like, yeah, that's... Mm. And so that exists in, in the person. That exists in us. And it's like, do I live... So that's that's my big question is, and that's what I'm trying to do you know, for my life, I guess, is like, how do I live there? Because there's so many different ways to see the world. There's so many different ways to explain it and to try and, yeah, have that undergirding meta-narrative that's different than we're a family, we're a body of Christ, and, like, God has come to save us and actually make you a part of him. And, and I like, obviously the only way to, to teach and to live from that place is to be in relationship with Christ and allow him to, to transform you. But, um... Yeah, I guess just trying to figure out what that looks like on the day-to-day. Um, yeah, it's a whole new ball game, man. Like, my prayer has changed radically. I, I still don't know how to pray without just sit, spending an hour thinking about what's going on at the parish and in people's lives. And um, I can't, like, get my mind to stop thinking about the parishioners and what they're going through. And you just have, like, a an influx of... Uh, of circumstantial situations and families and just like, wow, there's so much that goes on in people's lives. And, um, so even trying to figure out how to settle those things and, um, 
how to how to be a father for them. Um, and honestly, a line that I read from uh, JP2, actually, Rob, you may have, this is going to sound weird, but you may have read it to me in Nazareth. Um, hmm. It's from a book by JP2, and I can't remember, it may be memory and, and identity. I can't remember oh, what, no, it's what it is. Oh, no, it's Gift of Mystery. Gift of Mystery. In Nazareth, in Nazareth, yeah. Yeah, on the rooftop up there right next to the Basilica of the Annunciation. Yeah, I remember, yeah. I know very, exactly very beautiful. Yep. And JP2 would talk about his time in prayer. And this has actually been just like a consoling thought for me. He would go and he would talk to God about like the problems of the world. And, and that was like, a, that was a type of his conversation. And that was how he was praying. And obviously like I'm not doing that, but um, it's kind of pleading to God on behalf of, of the people here, like, Hey, <laughs> what do we do with all this business that's going on? And, you know, if we are a body and you are going to provide for us, what does that look like? And <clears throat> how, how do I do that? And I know, so it's just, it's an invitation to a new way of life that I'm experiencing here, it, but I want to keep living it that way. Like we are a family, like we are the body of Christ, like what Paul does talk about so that I can, yeah, like preach from that place of authority did that make sense about the um, h- how we can preach with authority like Christ? Yes, it did. And I have to yep. go. Sorry. Hard oh. stop. <laughs> Hard stop. Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisc, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. Good girl.